I want to welcome Agile XRM to the podcast. I've known the people at Agile XRM for the past 12 years. I've seen how their business process management tool can add massive value to complex organizational processes in sectors such as finance and government. If you have complex processes or a need for dialogues on the Power Platform or Dynamics 365, take a look at how this BPM tool can add value. You can find them at agilexrm.com or check out the show notes for more details. Welcome to the MVP show. Full show notes for this episode can be found at nz365guide.com forward slash 267. Before we chat with today's guest, here's a quick message from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by the 90-Day Mentoring Challenge. I cover the following key areas to grow your career. Communications, consulting, technology, Microsoft and the Microsoft Power Platform community, engagement, personal brand, and the career paths that you can choose from if you're going to work in the space. If you want to be mentored in the next 90-Day Mentoring Challenge, please go to nz365guide.com forward slash mentor. Now let's get on with the show. Today's MVP is from Sydney, Australia, originally from the UK. She's a customer experience specialist, dynamics and power platform for DXC Technologies. She's a first time MVP. She's also a certified Les Mills instructor for body pump and body attack. She's into Sunday fun day that involves jigsaw puzzles, hiking, kayaking, open water swimming, uh, I can't read the really the rest of it. It's so bloody long. She is a pimp. She said it herself just before I jumped on this recording. She goes, I am a pimp, of course, well known for LinkedIn pimping my profile. So she pimps uh, people's profiles on LinkedIn and tells you what's good, what's bad, and what you need to improve with your profiles. This is none other than Amy Holden. You can find her on Twitter at Amy Holden. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, Mark. Now, how was that intro? That was pretty good. I've never actually been introduced as a pimp before, but I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Um, very cool. Very cool. And of course, you know, we've uh, had some backwards and forwards over the last year or two. And you came, when, when did you end up moving to Aussie? Um, just over two years ago now. It's absolutely flown by. Wow. And what do you miss about home? The, no, I don't miss the weather. Um, no, just the just the people. The place, I'm not fussed. I miss the people. Uh, okay, what part of the UK were you from? Um, actually, the northwest, so Lancashire. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I've been all over the place in the north, so university in Newcastle, up on Tyne, not Newcastle, Australia, um, and grew up a bit in uh, the, lo- the lovely Harrogate in North Yorkshire. Oh. Mm, mm, mm. What's um, um, Nottingham famous for? That would be, um, uh, who's that little uh, guy that stole off the rich and gave to the poor? Nottingham. I've never been there. Newcastle. Sorry, sorry. Why did I think Nottingham? Like I just diverted to Nottingham. Newcastle, yes, I've been through Newcastle. It is, yes, yes, yes. Newcastle is to- known for Geordie Shaw, I think yes, is the most yes, iconic yes, thing. <laughs> yes, I was getting my Nottingham and Newcastle mixed up. And, of course, that's why you clarified that you weren't talking about Newcastle, north of Sydney in Australia. Yes. Righto, righto, righto. So you're a first-time MVP, is that right? How many months? Um, so I was what I think I call myself is a COVID MVP. So my my MVP started on when COVID landed in March this year, 2020. Wow. Wow, that's 
time has flown past. It's been a crazy year. What's it been like for you? Um, see, I didn't find, I'm going to sound really arrogant, but hey, I didn't find the MVP thing so overwhelming because I was too busy being overwhelmed by COVID. Um, I think the whole, just like I, I love routines. I am the r- routine is just on my life. So when I, the COVID thing just threw everything out that I ever did. Um, so that was too, I was too busy freaking out about that than to be freaking out about being an MVP. And it was actually quite a nice distraction to just do the MVP stuff rather than having to worry about COVID. <laughs> so yeah, and that, that totally makes sense. And it's kind of, I don't know, does it feel a bit like an anti-climax in this year and that, you know, I, I saw a lot of MVPs that got awarded before then. And of course, around March is when we go to MVP Summit in Seattle. And of course, you get to meet everybody and it's really, really fun. And then that got canned. And then next year's has got canned. That's not going to happen. It's a virtual event, which is great for learning about the tech, but so misses that human connection. Do you, so there, yeah, I'm wondering like, do you think that'll impact you much? What are your thoughts? Yeah, so I think because I never knew what it was like before, I guess it doesn't hurt as much. But I am not, I am so over virtual events. I cannot do them. I don't watch TV. I don't even have a TV in my apartment. I don't watch videos. So the thought of attending a virtual event just makes me die inside. Um, so for me, going to events is all about the connection and meeting people. So I hope it happens one day, but I guess the pain wasn't as bad because I never had it. Mm, 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 mm. I um I was asked earlier this week, I was actually, you know, being interviewed for a podcast uh, in Europe and I they said, you know, what, where have you been speaking at this year and stuff? And I said, nowhere. Um, because, you know, the way I speak, um, to a degree, I do work off the energy of the audience, you know, so, so I want to have eye contact. I want to see where people are disagreeing with me because perhaps I didn't illustrate a point clearly enough. And, and you don't get that when you do a virtual event, right? You don't have that kind of, and I'm a very, you know, energetic person. I mean, you've seen me do my stuff where I'm, I'm live on camera and, I do try and bring energy and even, you know, what I'm referring to there is the 90 day mentoring challenge is, is that I still even find that hard when I can't get the visual indicator that people are engaging or am I boring them to tears type thing? Definitely agree. I find it like, surprisingly, I'm actually pretty introvert. I can do, I can do extrovert, but only at choice. So I find things like presenting really draining. But if I can present to a crowd, I get a lot of energy from it. But if I'm presenting to a screen, to a camera, to a black screen of teams with blobs on it, I come away from that and I just feel high, dry, sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's very hard when there's, you know, there's no feedback. Like, um, I don't know, sometimes you you wonder, like you put so much effort into doing something and then you just get crickets, you know, nothing. Like, did it suck? Was it good? Like, um, can you fill in an eval? And you get like 1% of the people fill out an eval because, you know, they couldn't even give that amount of time to, 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 to give you, you know, did you do okay? It is hard, isn't it? It is really hard. And people only fill in those things when they either love you or they absolutely hate you. Yeah. Yeah. And they want to bag you out. You made a mistake. Yeah. You can't, you can't gauge it. It's, it's making it hard. I think it's great for people that aren't used to presenting because it's a really safe place to get your first presentations in but if you want to improve and you're already 
reasonably confident presenting. I feel like I've, it, it helps you feel like I'm hitting a bit of a plateau. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm wondering if, if you know, like I say so much about this time that we're in that I think this is one of those shifts in the world and society that we won't just be back to normal anytime soon. I'm not, I'm talking years out. Is it one of those shifts where we start to invent new ways of doing things that I think might result in better outcomes? Because I just don't know that, you know, we're going to necessarily revert to the old way things were done around in-person events Anytime soon, even though everyone's thinking, like I've seen a lot of people had a lot of conversations where people think we're just going to bounce back there. And I think what it's preventing us doing is going, okay, how does the new world run? How do we do it if this is never, ever going to change again? We're always going to be virtual. How do we do that and bring the fun and bring the energy and bring the engagement um, when that's our lens? Yeah. And I think there needs to be like a massive change. Like, normal isn't going to be what normal was. It'll be so, I hate using this term, but the new normal. Um, We need to change. We need to make it work now how it is. And I think there's definitely a lot of space to be done in there. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of the big things that I ponder at the moment is how do you do community if you move the tech piece out of that equation? In other words, you know, so much of what community has evolved around is sharing technical knowledge but I think there's a community element that we also had that was a byproduct of sharing technical knowledge, which was connection with people like me. It's often we, we, we are in a situation where, um, you know, our families have no idea what we do. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, I don't know, they do something in IT and that's it. Let's not talk about it anymore because it's boring. Um, you know, and it's very hard to... to to engage, if you like, with with family and friends that are not in the the technical space, because one, what I've noticed is that they, it's very easy for them to feel like um, they are inferior to you, and and what I mean by that is that, um, you know, I I've, I've recently had a guy working on my property, digging, landscaping, all this kind of stuff, and he's an amazing engineer and very much an artist in what he does. And, you know, we talked about his, his Facebook profile for his business and that type of thing. And straight away, it's just like, man, I know nothing about IT. And it's just, you know, and he started to infer that I was intellectually superior to him. And yet he was a massive, amazing creative. He just had never, you know, taken an IT focus on the world. And I think there's that need for us in our community to have still that people just like me that understand me and get me and have the same challenges as me in a way. Yeah, I think it's also to have people to challenge you as well. Because like your family and your friends look up, you're like, oh, you're doing so well. It's amazing. And that's great. They have no idea, though. And it's really good to be surrounded by people that can always help you improve and get better. And also, it's that thing like, oh, you work in IT. Can you fix my computer? Like, we've all been there, right? And you go, hold on a second. Let me Google that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, yeah, that happened exactly this weekend. I, I had this message um, is that uh, from from this person text me right on the weekend. And remember, I've been away from New Zealand for seven years. And and this person text me very conversationally like they knew me. And, of course, it just comes up with unknown number for me from whoever this came, came from. And they were like, you know, I need to talk to you about some Microsoft stuff. I'm sorry I didn't see you last week. I got some Microsoft questions. And I'm like, 
who are you? And so, and so I, I messaged back and said, oh, sorry, I don't quite know who this is. And um, she was like, I was your first boss. And this is like, I've been working for 30 years. Like, oh, my gosh. This is, and, it, and it happened to be my auntie. And, like, this is my phone number from then, like, insulted, like, why isn't in your contact list? And I'm like, um, I've, I've, like, had about 15 phones since then. And, and um, she was like, oh, yes, I just need to talk to you. And so I get on the phone with her, and she was like, yeah, um, you know, I'm on my Windows 10 machine. It's telling me I need to update to Windows 10 Pro. And like, how do I do that? And I'm like, I have no idea. Like, like, I never, I haven't built a PC from scratch for about 10 years. Like, you know, I used to do that, but, and, and it was just exactly that. Let me Google that for you. And I went back and said, do this, do this, do this. Once I'd found out the answers. <laughs> and um, yeah, bizarre, right? Bizarre. It is crazy. So, so you're an MVP now, and so therefore you're a rock star, superstar. You're in the celebrity crowd, <laughs> not apparently. Um, but no, tell me, tell me, what is it? What are you going to do for good, and how is it going to affect? Particularly, you've got to focus on Dynamics three six five marketing. How is how is um, your insights probably that you're getting into, you know, information with the product team? How is that helping you be better in your your life, your role, your jobs, your things like that? Yeah. So when I first became an MVP, I was like, so what does this mean? Like, I don't get it. And now because I adopted marketing as a somewhat of a baby child unwanted thing um, a couple of years ago, and it's now really helping me out. So I'm working with one of my customers um, with Dynamics Marketing, and I've kind of, I did the full thing for them. I've been working with them for about a year. So it was a really good place for me to roll out the whole thing because I knew the company, I knew the business, I already had the relationships. And it was a really nice way to do it that it wasn't just about the delivery, which I think is really important with Dynamics Marketing, that it's not a lot of the things that you implement, like you press the button, you install it. That's after it's installed, that's when the work starts. Um, And it was really good to be able to spend time with the customer and build the templates with them and run them through all their campaigns and teach them, but also have that chance to sit side by side with them and empower them and get them to teach others. But also along the way, find and see like the real business problems that normally when you do a demo, you just brush over them and really finding those real problems and then being able to reach out to the product team um, via the private groups and being able to get through to those people because of who I am has been a huge help. And the help that they've given, like, is things that I would have probably never worked out or nutted my head against. And I've just found them so helpful to actually get to the bottom of the problem, but also to get the feedback back to them, because I'm guessing they don't use it on a day-to-day basis. So it's full circle, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I was heavily involved with with D365 marketing back in the day, and I'm saying when it was released, which actually was when I was traveling a lot at the time, and I'd jump on these calls. I remember from Croatia with the marketing, sorry, the the folks running the D365 marketing, which incidentally the leads, et cetera, are no longer even working at Microsoft. And, And, you know, I asked this question one day, and it kind of blew me away the answer. So I was on one of these, you know, private calls and uh, as in, you know, giving feedback, this is the product was going to be launched and released. And and there was a scenario that I had commonly come across in marketing landscape, particularly in banking, um, while I was working in Australia. And 
they had put a limitation on the how the sins, et cetera, worked because they just hadn't contemplated the scenario that anybody would want to do it. And it was like a very practical scenario that big clients would absolutely do. And I, it struck me that I'm like, did you just build this product based on here's a list of things that you must put in the application, go build it? Or did you actually engage with a user audience that are um, that uses tech? And one of the things I did, I said, who's the demo that, that this bit of software is for? Because sometimes software is so built for technical people, but not the actual people that use it. It's like, it's built for installers. It's built for customizers. It's built for people that configure it, but they don't think about who's the, the, you know, the person that sits in that seat week after week. It's their job to do this and what's their experience. And I even said, you know, commonly, you know, who is the audience? Is it male or female? And they're like, oh, we can't say that, you know, and it can't be sexist. Or, I said, this is not that type of conversation. The, the question is, do you understand the profile of the person using it? Because by that point, I'd worked with marketing agencies in Sydney, and this was on behalf of Microsoft, you know, to, 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 to promote the product. And they were predominantly, I was in room that were 99% female marketers, you know, that were using it. And they would look at this and they would just see a bunch of technical goo that they had to learn. And they're like, we don't learn this stuff. Like if we want to create an email template, we don't want to, you know, know how to put this code and that piece in there. And like, it should just work, you know? And, and I said, so how many marketers are actually on the product development team, you know, that have a background in marketing? And it was just silence. Nobody made a comment. And like, I'm, I'm very big on using silence, right? So I, I had no follow-up question. I just waited. And then it got awkward silence. Like nobody was saying anything. And then one of the, the people at Microsoft said to the product owner, are you going to answer his question? <laughs> and of course the answer was none. And I was like, I think there's your problem, you know? You, you don't understand actually who the end user is of this product. You've great, maybe a technically sound product, awesome. But, you know, Adobe has a very good way of understanding who the user of the Adobe marketing cloud is and, and are effective in it, you know, and, and Marketo and all the other ones. So what's, what's your take on now? Because I've been out of it for some time. What's your take on where marketing, Dynamics 365 marketing is now? What's the customer's appetite? You know, I haven't sold it in years. So what are you seeing now from a customer perspective, a usability perspective, all those good things? Yeah, so I think my experience with my customer at the minute, they're coming from basically nothing and using MailChimp and Outlook. So for them, it's amazing. Um, and the marketing assistant, the marketing lead is, um, she's come from a background where she's had marketing automation tools in the past. So she has loved it. And it's been really great to actually have her as a bit of a champion because it's helped to push it out and encourage the rest of the team to get on board with it. So that's been, a, that's always, always a massive help. Um, there's some stuff that I find myself celebrating that's there that I realized should have been there all along. Um, but it has come on in leaps and bounds, especially the latest release wave. They've got a lot more of this. Um, you can look at a customer journey and you can pop out the email that you're sending at that point and you can pop out the segment and you're not doing all this page switching, context switching. 
Um, so that is long overdue, but really, really nice experience. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's showing some massive improvements, especially over the last year. And I'm finding it much easier to encourage people into it. Um, I would say there's still work to be done. There always is, right? But now the problems are much smaller. I think the only gap is, it's always my always been my bugbear, which is around the social media side of stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And are you, t- are you talking about the, the ability to automate posts and things like that? Yeah, so there is a bit of it, but it's also about getting the analytics back from it. So I know there's a lot of limitations because social media's locked down their APIs and it's difficult, but I think a lot of software tools do it already. Um, so that's the biggest gap for me. They have brought out some improvements in the latest release wave, but they're not as exciting as I'd hoped. Yeah, they should be able to pull right everything that is available. I know there's limitation. I saw Facebook close down their APIs over time and, and they're all wanting you to use their proprietary, you know, analytics engine, um, Twitter, et cetera. But there, there is an amount that you can. And then of course, hey, Microsoft off, you know, own RPA, you know, tool set now. And you could always just go up and scrape that stuff, surely. Um, uh, apart from there's probably some licensing implications, of course, um, around around that. But no, good point, good point. But I think even the ability, you know, right back in marketing pilot, you know, which was an acquisition years ago in the marketing space, there was a whole tool that allowed automation of posts out on Twitter, Facebook, Uh, things like that as part of a campaign, right? So in other words, you know, you know, when someone's running an event, it's T minus 30 days or T minus 60 days from that event, right? Or T plus 10, 10 plus, you know, 60, whatever it is. And it's cause all these activities that make up part of the making sure that wherever your audience is, they get the message, right? Whether they're on social, whether it's an email, whether it's, um, you know, uh, a TVC, whatever it is. And so it was great to see that on a timeline. This tweet's going to go out there and it's going to drive traffic to that form and that's going to create a registration, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's part of that holistic journey that definitely needs to be in a marketing platform. It is as well, like with marketing as well today, like, marketing email, emails is not the only marketing. And it's much more about the inbound, building your brand, being out and about, being on social media and people coming to you. It's way, way, way more powerful than just blasting people with emails. So you need to be able to do that as a successful company in today's world, I think. Yeah, I totally agree. Any any updates that you're seeing around uh, you know, with COVID that's happened this year, we've seen a massive investment in in Microsoft Teams, and it's been become phenomenal. As in, around how team meetings are now, you know, whether it's team together, lots of great features. And I know Net Twenty Four was it the 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 third party conferencing kind of tool or, or virtual meetings tool that was. Um, was part of marketing. Have they now fully integrated to Microsoft Teams so that you can auto send out a team meeting and drive a virtual meeting or virtual event um, via uh, D365 marketing? Yeah. So previously the only pre-built or like integrated for you was on 24. On 24. Um, That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, So it was, it was pretty nice what they'd done, but obviously it's another license. It's another acquisition for the company. It's another system to look after, um, everything. Um, so yes, this is in the latest release wave. They've integrated Microsoft teams 
which again, I celebrated, but then I was like, that should have been done a year ago. Um, <laughs> but no, it's really nice because you can run Microsoft Teams meetings or live events. Live, oh, awesome, awesome. And the integration is really neat. So when you set up the live event, for example, you can add in Dynamics Marketing, you add the speakers and you add the producers and that actually adds them on the team side to have the right permissions. Nice. Okay, so that's cool. What about things like attendee, uh, attendance? So, you know, you, you invited 50 people, 25 showed up. Who are the 25 that showed up? What was their kind of engagement level? Is there any telemetry around that? Yeah, so when you send out the invitation with the email in, uh, link, um, it's got a little unique ID for the registration. So when they register and when they attend through the link you send them, it actually tracks them into the meeting so you know if they've registered and if they've actually attended. Fantastic. So they've done the whole thing. It is so slick. I freaking love it. That is golden. That is golden. Wow. So cool. Look at this. We've already blown our time out. It's so easy to chat with you. But uh, I always love to end this with a few quick fire questions. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so often, you know, I, I vet my questions at the very last minute based on whether I think someone would have the propensity to answer some of them. I didn't with you. I just took all the ones as they landed because I know you can handle them all. So here you go. When have you spoken out when it would have been easier to say nothing? Oh, every day. <laughs> um, something that I've spoken out about. Oh, I can't think of a specific one, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at speaking and then thinking sometimes. So I, yeah, no specific events I can think of. Damn. Cool. That's all right. What are your core values? My core values. Uh-huh. Mm, that's a, that's a deep one. It doesn't need to I th- be. <laughs> I think for me, it's about being genuine, being honest to myself. And doing things that I love. Nice. That's good. That's good. I love it. What failure do you feel embarrassed to talk about? Does it count as a failure? Yeah, it does. Um, So I set out this year to run a marathon. And then I tore my hamstring and I still can't run. And it makes me really, really sad because I absolutely love running. And I feel like a failure because I still can't run. <laughs> I feel like my body's failed me and I'm really disappointed in it. <laughs> I think the audience will forgive you and, 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 and would consider that kind of extenuating circumstances. Describe a time when you believed giving up was the right thing to do, but regretted it in hindsight. Do you know what? I am like a dog with a bone. If I want to do something, I don't give up. So I don't think I've ever given anything up and regretted it. Love it. Awesome. Great answer. What part of your life uh, have you still not figured out? (laughs) (laughs) How to be a (laughs) grown-up. I love it. That's the same for me. Oh, man, the amount of times my family say grow up to me and I'm like, why? Yeah, I love it. I love it. So, yeah, I just keep running away from being a grown-up. That's why I ended up in Australia. It was either like be a grown-up, buy a house, or move to Australia. Yep, I'm here. (laughs) Last question, do you think it is ever possible possible to be an overnight success? No, no way. You can be a flash in the pan, um, but you'll fade out as quick as you came in. Interesting. Amy, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me, Mark. 
Hey, thanks again for listening. It's been a pleasure to have you with me. I'm your host, business application MVP, Mark Smith, also known as the NZ365 guy. Or if you're in America, the NZ365 guy. But in New Zealand, we say NZ. Anyhow, aside, aside. If you've enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to leave a review, go to nz365guy.com forward slash review. You can see all my reviews to date and choose the platform that you want to leave a review on uh, as well. Otherwise, stay safe out there and see you next time.